Here we go, it's time for the General Knowledge Podcast, uh, we are on Season 3, Episode 10, uh, recording on a Monday this time, we couldn't couldn't seem to hook up over the weekend, um, well, you know, shit happens of course, as per usual, but today is Monday, the 8th of March 2021, and I am joined by the brother of the boys, we're back for a show, I've, uh, I've got Andy with me, Andy, say hi to the folks. Hey brother, yeah, yeah, g'day everyone, and uh, welcome to tonight. Thanks, man. And of course, uh, yeah. Ethan's here with us as well. Ethan, how you going, mate? Good, General. Good to be here for this episode. Lots to talk about, as usual. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's, it's all happening, man. And you're coming through loud and clear, man, which is good. So, as everyone knows, uh, you've had a bit of mic troubles. That hopefully you get that sorted out soon, eh? I mean, um, geez, it must be driving you nuts because you do a lot of recordings of your own too, don't you? Yeah. Well, it's it's a lot easier because you can tweak the audio settings and everything. When you're just recording on your own, you know, mm. make it louder and whatnot. But it seems to be working today. I, I seem to just fiddle around with the mic and, you know, found a way to turn the settings completely up and then turn my headphones down. So let's see how that goes for a little bit. Yeah, cool. Well, for now, man, she's, she's all good and we'll let you know if there's any issues, but I'm sure you're right for the show. Yes, um, let me know if any robotic voices come in like the other episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty funny, actually. Uh, you, so mate. Good times, good times. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, so um, things are going great guns over at TOTT News, and we'll, we'll get to one of your articles um, a little bit later. We'll segue into that one, but I just want to just let the listeners know. Um, so we're... This will, I reckon this week sometime <clears throat> after this one goes out, we'll probably hit the 40,000 download mark. We're sitting just under just under that now, 39,500 downloads for the show, which is awesome. So big thanks to Beautiful. all the listeners out there. Yeah, it's, it's good to see it getting out there. You know, the average numbers for each episode just keeps going up and up. So big thanks to all the people. We've got new followers just jumping on board, even just like signing up to Podbean and, and getting on board and following through, which is awesome. Um, just sort of let everyone know as well. 
I have got this up. I think I did mention it last show, but I'll, I'll mention it for the next couple of shows. Uh, this general knowledge podcast is now available as well on the Google Podcast um, Network. I guess you can say that. So if you're an Android person, you can get it on the Google Podcasts. Um, if you're a Spotify person, you can actually get us on Spotify as well. I've got it up on Spotify. Um, and of course on Podbean and of course on the uh, Apple uh, podcast as well. So there's about four different places there you can reach us. So it's getting spread further and further and getting, I guess, gaining more reach as well. And then of course there's the, the Patreon only bonus show content uh, as well. So we've got more shows coming up. I've got our old mate JLB's coming on, Ethan. I've got him coming on um, in about, uh, well, not this Thursday, but next Thursday. The man himself, uh, the, man. the man, the myth, the legend. Mate, I had him booked in for last Thursday, but he... Um, <laughs> And I'm going to dob you in, JLB. But no, I wasn't dirty on him, but he slept in. And uh, I was sitting there listening, high and dry, you know. I'm like, hello, hello. <laughs> the crickets chirping in the background. I'm like, oh, well, I guess he couldn't make it. <laughs> but it's all good. I managed to snag him again. He's promised he's going to set about uh, 23 different alarms so that he can uh, make sure he's in time for the show. Because he does... Adjusting to all the Eastern European snow, mate. And that's it. He, plus, he also, I don't know if it's, maybe it's the time difference, but he's hes up late. Like, the, the bloke spends a lot of time up in the wee hours in the morning, you know. Like, I listened to one of his shows the other day, and he only started recording at midnight. I mean, I'm like mm. two hours into sleep by then. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah. I so, tell you, he's a workhorse. He man. is. Yeah, he's got plenty of content. So, for those that are uh, wondering, you can... Awesome jump over and we'll just go to johnlebon.com check out his content there he's a real big in the skeptic kind of community uh but he's going to come on like the patreon show we're going to do some really cool topics on there so make sure you go and join up uh follow the links in the show notes folks but enough of that yeah so that's all going really well um actually i've got another guy coming on when is it this thursday i'm pretty sure um a, a, what's his name aria sulin i think is his name but um, I'll get into a little bit later about, uh, about that a little bit later. Um, if you listen to the Higher Side Chats podcast, he was a recent guest on there, and I'm like, I need to get this guy on to talk about some stuff too. He's got a really cool website. Um, I think he's got. I'll just quickly say it. Fuck it, I'll do it now. Uh, what is it? So his website is called ParadigmThreat.net. Um, so he talks, a little, you know, a lot of stuff about, I guess, conspiracy type things, but you know, he backs it all up with. A lot of good information there, similar to, I guess, to JLB in a sense of the sort of stuff he covers, which is really cool. Uh, but I guess it's his own take on it as well. Uh, so yeah, again, folks, make sure you join us for that one. It's going to be really good. We're going to go over things like, um, I think, NASA and the moon landing stuff, and we're going to talk about the origins of Earth and things. So it's really cool stuff. Uh, sort of, and I mentioned that we'd actually interviewed Wal Thornhill, the um, from the Electric Universe um, mob, and. He was stoked. He's like, "Oh my god, Wall's a, a, a like a hero of mine." I'm like, "Oh man, like yeah, we interviewed him like like last year sometime. It was awesome." Um, Andy was on for that one. Hey, yep. yeah, um, yeah. He was awesome. yeah, he was stoked. Yeah, so he's a lot of his stuff is along those similar kind of lines with regards to what he believes. You know, how the universe started and all that sort of stuff. But it was really cool. Anyway, enough of that. Let's dive into tonight's topics uh, for the show. And I've, for those who are friends of mine who who follow the show, uh, I know a lot of you listeners out there. Um, you subscribe to the show and everything, but I do get a lot of people just, just you know, trying to be my friend on Facebook and stuff, and I, I'm happy to, to just get everyone on board. Just the more people who are my friend, the better, because I just it's another way to reach you guys. So in case you can't see the content from Real News Australia on Facebook, because they're constantly shaping my reach. Um, like I can put a generic post up, and it might reach shit, you know, 
100, 200 people in, in, in a week or something. Uh, and if I share someone else's content or if I put it up on my personal page and then share it to my Real News Australia page, it reaches like 10 times that. It's just bizarre. So the more people, the merrier, I say. Um, so please, yeah, this for those folks. So be, feel free to you know jump on and join me up as a friend. But anyway, um, you may have noticed that I had my anniversary just, just recently. It was on the 5th of March, my 16th wedding anniversary to my beautiful wife, Danielle. Um, we thought we'd go out. We had a nice night in the in, in the valley. You know, we stayed at a nice hotel. A friend of ours hooked us up. Uh, it was pretty cool. And <clears throat> we thought, oh, we'll, we'll just go and we didn't make a reservation anyway. We thought we'll just wander up into the valley and we'll we'll see what's open. You know, like there's plenty of restaurants and pretty cool little places there. We thought, well, we'll just do that and check it out. We found a really cool um, pasta joint. If you ever want somewhere to go, it's awesome. It's called Up O Spaghetti O. <laughs> fucking awesome restaurant um they have the whole you know on the table on the wall next year here's the qr code check in they go oh and then the waitress is like oh yeah, there's um hand sanitizer over at the bar there feel free to use them like but it wasn't forced on us it wasn't like sit there make you do it as you like at the front door it was none of that business it was very kind of like it's there because we have to have it there. You know, that was the vibe we got. And we were okay with that. We we're like, oh, that's awesome. These guys aren't forcing it down our throats. That's great. So we ended up having an awesome night there. Plenty of drinks. The bartender there was awesome. He hooked us up with a few few free bevies as well because it was anniversary. He was a good bloke. And then we're like, oh, well, let's let's head over to this... Um, you guys know what a speakeasy is? You've, you've heard of a speakeasy? Like from back in the, I guess, what is it? The 30s or 40s, wherever it is. Um, you know, like those... Uh, during the prohibition they have those little you know uh bars and things where you know like you, you guys know what i'm referring to don't you as a speakeasy i'm sure the listeners know but andy and ethan you know what a speakeasy is don't you you're on mute boys yeah um is that like the little hidden away boutique yeah and they're like the sort of like they've got like barrels and stuff everywhere yeah and, and you imagine like a like the bartenders wearing suspenders and all that sort of yeah, stuff you know that kind of hip they encourage you to wear like suits and stuff at some of them to like fit the old school that's sort it. of vibe yeah, and yeah you think like yeah. chicago back in the day and all that sort of stuff yeah but yeah. that sort of vibe so we danielle was doing a bit of research and she found this place that she goes oh yeah they market themselves as a speakeasy you know like they've got like, pictures of them like you walk into the bar and there's like shit maybe 12 shelves and it's wall-to-wall alcohol they've got like 400 whiskeys and you know 60 gins like it's just a massive range of grog you know it's really impressive and we're like oh, cool that sounds cool we'll go there listen to some nice tunes and have a drink you know so we've just left the restaurant it's like literally across the road really cool always it's just an orange door there's no signs it's just this orange door with a security guard there. Like you, you could blink and you could miss it. Like that's a, that kind of cool little place like that. We're like, oh, that, that's awesome. Anyway, so we get to the the uh, the door and there's the security guard there. He's like, yeah, you got your IDs? Yeah, sure. Of course, as we know in Australia, you've got to show your ID when you go to a licensed venue and all that sort of stuff. And they nowadays, of course, which I guess it's been going on for a few years now, they you know they take your picture and all that sort of stuff. Which I guess you know, let's not go into that part of it. But then it's like, oh. On the wall, here you go. Sign in with your COVID check-in, and then you know present the tick or whatever you know to the to the guy. And I'm like sitting there with my phone, right? I've got like a with an iPhone, and I'm sitting there holding the, the camera over it. And I didn't realise this actually, but I've got my QR code reader part of my camera turned off, which I'm glad I did because otherwise it would have worked. And I'm sitting there going, look, mate, it's not working. Like, look, like a pretty new phone, you know. Here it is. Look, it's not working. It's not working. Like, what do I do? 
And he's like, oh, just give me, yeah, go close your camera and try again. He's like running me through. Meanwhile, people are lining up, they're trying to get through and like, just let these folks go, you know. I'm like trying to make it look like it's a hassle, you know, for us to fucking do this shit. Anyway, so I, I said, mate, wait, you, oh, look, you saw it, didn't you? There you go. Yeah, you saw it. I just pretended like, yeah, it's all good. You saw it. And I went to walk in. He's like, no, no, come back, mate. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Look, he's, he's full on Nazi. This guy wants to see the tick and stuff. And I, anyway, got to do the COVID check-in bullshit. And I'm like, well, you try it. So he grabbed my phone. He's trying. I said, see, it doesn't work. Like, what do you do? And Danielle's piping up. She's going, what do you do if people don't have phones? Like, if we didn't bring our phone with us, what what's the go? We could just can't come in. He's like, yeah, you just can't come in. You've got to have a phone. I'm like, that's shit. <laughs> this is what, yeah, this is what they're saying. He goes, we're a, we're a full digital venue. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, well, you've got to have a phone. I'm like, well, so if people don't have phones, you just don't let them into your venue and you guys lose out. I'm like, He's like, yep. I'm like, righto, okay. I said, well, how am I supposed to get in there? You can see I've got a phone and it's not working. He's like, oh. So he pulls his phone out, right? Scans it. He comes up. He goes, he just hands me the phone because other people are lining up and he's letting them through and letting them scan. He goes, here, just put your details in. I'm like, of course, fake name, you know, fake phone number. Of course, I'm never going to put my real fucking details in. I'm like, there you go. I just, when it came up with a tick, I went, there you go. See, here's the tick. And I'll do the same for the wife. And I just use his phone again. Of course, fake name. You know, fake number for the wife as well. There you go, mate. Are you happy now? Yeah, okay, good. See you, fuck wit. And you walk in. <laughs> anyway, and at the but we're thinking, oh, yeah, we'll go to the bar. We'll check it out. And well, fuck, it was busy in there. And as soon as you walk in, it was not a speakeasy. It was like, as soon as you walk in, next to the door, there's a guy, like a DJ, oops, 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 fucking just like techno shit playing. They're like, oh, man, this is not what I expected. Oh, fuck. All right, we'll, we'll just have one drink and we'll, we'll have a look around and we'll go, you know. She's like, Danielle walks around the corner, we found a table, cool, sit there. And then uh, well, I go, I'll go to the bar, I'll get a drink, cool. Looking around for menus, you know, like wine lists, like drink lists, you know, thinking, what can I get? Nothing. There's no anywhere in there that's printed that has the prices or what they actually serve. And if it's so dark, you can't actually even read the labels on half the fucking things up on the wall. I'm like, oh. I said to the bartender, I said, mate, have you got like something where all your drinks are? He goes, oh, we're digital. I said, what does that mean? He goes, yeah, you got to scan that. I said, I said, mate, I couldn't even use my own phone to scan into the joint. How do you use the security guards? I said, what do I, how do I get to see what drinks you've got? And he goes, well, what do you want? I'm like, oh, here we go. I said, well, you know, just ordered a drink. He just basically just made something up. And then we sit down for, finish the drink. I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. This is shit. <laughs> so I don't recommend this place. It's a fucking, like, it's, it's not marketed correctly. It's, you know, you think a speakeasy, you think, you know, maybe a piano or something in the corner and a lot, you know, just a lot different vibe. Now it's like, now nah, DJ, doof doof, uh, you know, no prices, all digital. I'm like, this is shit. This is, I'm like, is this what clubs and things are doing these days? Like, this is terrible. Like, how can people do this? Like, wh- again, what if you don't have a phone or you, what if you've lost your phone or your mates are in there or, you know, like, it's just, it's bizarre. I didn't like it. Got a real bad vibe. So I'm actually going to fucking go on and do a review and just cuss these people out. Because, you know, that's what old people do these days. We <laughs> have a go at you fucking youngsters. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we leave there and um, uh, back on the same side of the of the road of Ann Street there, there's another little place called, um, it's like a tiki bar, like a surf, surf rock kind of tiki bar. It's called Susie Wong's Good Time Bar. And it was cool. It was 
you know, the guy at the at the counter it was the same thing. I said, you know, mate, I said, I can't scan these QR codes. It doesn't work. And he goes, no, it's all right. He goes, you just download that app and then you do it through the app. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. I'm like, cool. All right, no worries. So <clears throat> you go in, you download the check-in Queensland app. Of course, fake name, fake number. Good on you, dickheads. Like, as if you're going to really even check that shit. And I just held it up because he's sort of standing a little bit further away from where this sign is to check in because they've got like the, you know, the velvet rope and all that sort of shit. <clears throat> so uh, I just hold it up so he can see the tick. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, cool." I'm like, "Just do Danielle's." Yeah. Oh yeah, there we go. Or should I say Chantel or whatever she put her name in as? Um, anyway, so yeah, then we just walk in. Pretty cool bar, you know. No, when you go in there, it was all you know. There was menus and lists, and there was it was like an old school awesome bar, four piece fucking cover band, you know. Lights hanging from the roof with bras hanging off them. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> I recommend this place if you ever want to go out. But I wanted to ask you guys, like, have you ever come across... Andy, just before we started recording, I'll throw to you first, because you did mention you were in the um, in South Bank just recently. So just, yeah, take yourself from here. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, have, I wanted to get your take on, you know, I guess, the, the going out in the city or in South Bank or anywhere in town, you know, like, what's it like for you? What's your experience and what did you encounter and how did it make you feel? Um, yeah, I was, I, not many things sort of like take me back, but we me and the wife were out for like a special night too, same circumstance. Um, we were actually seeing, seeing, uh, like a, a show at the Lyric and, um, and we, th- we thought we'd go out to South Bank for some dinner. And the first place that we turned up to, it was the same thing. It was like there's signs up everywhere saying this is a digital venue. And that's the first time that I'd seen that as well. And so, like, you know, mm. I'm thinking, and we got, I got presented the same thing anyway. Um, I mean, they were Saturday night down South Bank, if people don't know, like Brisbane people, it was absolutely chaos. And it was, and it was like an hour and a half for a table. So, so regardless of that, like we said, well, we're not going to wait an hour and a half. We'll go and find somewhere else. But, but I said to her, I said, well, I've I've just left my phone back in the car because I don't need my phone, which I really only use for work. Yep. Out for a Saturday night, I don't need it. My my kids are all like you know, twenty plus. Mm. Like I'm not going to be getting any calls. Any from emergency home. calls? Yeah, for dad, Nothing come home. Like yeah. That. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's ridiculous. Why do I need a phone? I don't, I just don't need a phone. And, you know, remember the good old days when, like, you know, if people were, you know, like talking on the phone or had their phone at a restaurant, it was considered quite rude. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. That's all you see now. <laughs> and, and like, and I still, I still really do think that if you're going to go to a meal with your wife or friends and stuff like that, if you're sitting on, you know, like social media or trowling through the phone while you're sitting at the dinner table at a restaurant with somebody, I think it's just a hide of I think it's just extremely rude. So, I just, you know, I just can't. I just leave my always just leave my phone in the car. I never take it out with me when I'm on a social night like that or anything like that. So, so for for them to just blankly say, oh, yeah, we're a digital venue and you'll need your phone to check in," it's like, man, no, you no, know I what? Won't. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just there's quite a few choices here down at South Bank. I think I've got my choice of about thirty different places. I don't, I don't need to, you know, custom your business. So. Yeah. 
That's it. You vote with your feet, you know. Yeah, I think so. But I, I, you know, I think it was you or someone. Someone I was talking to recently. Twenty something year olds, twenty to you know thirties. You know that that twenty to thirty year age bracket. They seem to just like fall straight into it, no problem, without even questioning this crap. It's a novelty, you know? and they love it. Yeah, yeah. Consequently, that that you know nightclub that you ended up in, like basically. You know, they're probably looking at you, kind of understanding why you can't just fall into line with what everyone else is doing. Yeah, they look at you like you're the weird one, you know, like, yeah, yeah. what's wrong with you? Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean digital venue? What does that even mean? Like, come on. Mm. Mm. I mean, so To me, back in the day, digital we... venue meant there was touch screens around the place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, so, um, so it really no, put you really... off? Like, it, would you say it deterred, really... kind of deterred you from, you know, not really just going back to that venue, but going out in general, or do you just feel like dissuade from the whole thing? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because it changes the conversation. It's like, you know, all of a sudden the conversations, because as you can walk into the South Bank precinct, all you can see is this COVID crap and this, you know, digital this and digital stuff. It's like stuck on every goddamn post um, and every, every bit of, you know, vertical surface that you walk, walk mm. towards. Like, there's nothing friendly about it at all. Imagine so, the money of... wasted on that too, Andy. Oh, you know, imagine oh, the money, our taxpayer dollars that went into putting that shit everywhere. It's absolutely insane, man. Um, so yeah, it just, it just, it just squashes the vibe. Um, but you know, that it seems like they're getting away with it because, like, you know. This restaurant that had this digital bullshit going on was was booked up for an hour and a half. You couldn't get a table for an hour and a half. So it's not like their customers are, you know, like voting with their feet and walking out of it. They're just they're just doing it, you know, which is always the disappointing thing. Yeah, it's that apathy. It's that apathetic, you know, feeling towards it all. Oh, if that's just what they do, I guess that's what they do now. And then you, they just go along with it and like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it blows me away. No, so I can see a day where, well, if this doesn't back up anytime soon, that you know we just don't do it. I'm just, I just, I just don't need to put myself into that environment. Um, we just do simpler things. Um, you know, we just and I bring some dinner. We go and sit down on a grassed area or something. You know, we just change it up. What, how we do, what, how we think, and everything like that. Because I'm not, I'm not acquiescing to that kind of crap you know yeah I, i'm not, and i'm not giving my details ever to some corrupt system ever you know oh, can you imagine yeah. you know like you're you're a busy guy and stuff if you got a call on monday morning saying oh look we've had a you know a case and you happen to be in the same restaurant so we're sending some people around to make sure that you you know, get locked up in your home for the next 14 days and by the way they'll be coming out with some ankle bracelets to make sure that you do I know. Like, who the fuck wants that shit? I'd be yeah, like, well, just, I'm not going home. <laughs> well, yeah, just because you're, you know, stupid enough to go and tell people exactly where you are and what you're doing yeah. at what time. Yeah, so, it, to me, it's a fucking nightmare scenario, and I don't want that. That's, you know, I'll never, yeah. I'll never abide by those stupid fucking rules. It just uh, does my head in. But I might just cross over to Ethan because I want to see because he's younger than us. We're the two old blokes. Um, I want to find out from a young person's perspective as to 
how you feel about this. Do you go along with it? You know, do you see it when you go out? Um, do you still go out? Like, what's what's the go, Ethan? Enlighten us. Just take yourself off mute there. Um, just yeah, tell us tell us what how you feel about the whole thing. Yeah, general. So I feel the exact same way as you fellas. Obviously, I'm not particularly like the the normal young person out here. I'm sure a lot of people realise that. So you know, I, I also see that people fall into this trap as. A lot of generations do it's not just the younger generations a lot of people in their 40s and 50s that never had this type of technology are some of the worst culprits of it you know they're the managers and lead coding designers and the ones that are developing it you know that love this type of stuff so it's it's really spread across all generations and all cultures and we're really starting to see especially with covid this whole what we've described as a digital dystopia that's been emerging for years is really starting to to come out you know i don't i don't yeah absolutely and i i don't go out that much you know i do the same thing if i do like you're doing with the just give a fake name and fake number and stuff but the interesting thing is that there's been a transition over the past year because this has been going on for a year the whole put your details down but Mm. now all of these private firms have developed like applications and qr code linkage and all this type of stuff for businesses that they're downloading and now it's 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 almost encouraged with this covid safe australia mandates that they all have to follow that it's easier for them to store all the details if they transition to digital only formats you know and this is it's crazy we're really just starting to see that come out now um you know it really would only be within the last six months it was, as a lot of you would know if you've been out during, you know, 2020, for example, it was still just the put your pen and paper down, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it's really and, just And we asked up. for that too. We're like, oh, can we just sign in, you know, on a piece of paper somewhere? And they were exactly. like, no, nah, we don't do the laws have changed. We don't need to do that anymore. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, absolutely. It, it got too, it, and, and we've said this time and time over, General, it's all about convenience for mm. people. It's easier and people will just lap it up. And what we see everywhere is just people accepting this to the point where if you are someone that doesn't have a phone or doesn't have this type of technology, as you mentioned, then you, you're almost alienated and you look like an alien. You know, they look at you like you're an alien rather. Like who, you what? You don't have a phone? What do you mean you can't? scan in like they don't compute that um because it's that widespread you know it's just so embedded that you're almost an anomaly and this is going to draw you know significant problems in the future when you know people talk about this apartheid this great split that's coming you know it's you're going to be treated like you're not a person you're going to be unpersoned not allowed into venues, not allowed into this. And we're really just starting to see it unfold literally before our eyes. You know, I don't know how it is in other states, but I would assume that this would be a national program. And I've seen similar things, you know, in the United States and everything. So this is a worldwide system of scan and trace, track and trace, as you've always noted, General. And yeah, it just (laughs) seems like you were in for an interesting night, mate. I don't even bother with... um, brisbane anymore going out mate they, it's it's not called australia's new world city that's its official slogan yeah, for it's a not reason. called that for no reason yeah, yeah exactly mate. that's right <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare you know when i first saw the g20 in 2014 you know just how yeah increment you know how just rights and everything were just taken away it, it almost painted a vision of the future which is here now yeah. you know six seven years later 
So. And what, what really bugs me, boys, is the fact that prior to the night, prior to us, the anniversary and us going out and enjoying ourselves and stuff, we we, we had to have the conversation. I said to her, I said, like, because I could see it was kind of getting to her, and I was like, babe, like, what are we going to do when we're asked to do this stuff? Like, what's our plan? You know, I'm like, we, we, we've mm-hmm. got to talk about it. I hate the fact that we have to have this conversation, but let's have the conversation, you know, how do we proceed? What's the, you know, because... Yeah, I, I just and I hate that that's where it's come to that we, we've now got to try and discuss these things because it's 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 getting to us that much, you know. Um, it's crazy. You it never is. think you'd never think something like that, you know. Like sure enough, the big issues you've always thought about this. What are we going to do with this and that? But now it's like you just want to go out for a good yeah. night for your anniversary. You want to go and have a drink somewhere? Like shit, nothing to do with it. Yeah, like uh. nothing. I want to disconnect from it all, and then you know it's it's right in your face now. It's and I think Andy Andy made that good point too. Like, um, you know, even if you say to them, "Oh, well, you know, well, you're not going to get my patronage and stuff," and they're, they're going to look at you and go, "Give us a fuck!" Like, look at the lineup to get in, or you know, we like Andy said, there's an hour and a half wait to get a fucking table. Like, we don't need your money, you know. Like, so mm. it's just that we're at that point now where there's just too many people going along with it. Oh uh, yeah, it just it bugs me. It bugs me that people just acquiesce and the apathy. People yeah. just need to stop. Just if, if everyone who went again, it's the same thing. If everyone said it, you know, we, we'd, we'd change the world instantly, but it just doesn't fucking happen that way. So, I mean, that's why I say kudos to places that don't enforce it. They're really lax with it, that it's only there because it's they've got to have it because otherwise they'll, you know, they could get shut down or whatever. But, you know, kudos to the places that don't enforce it, don't push it on you and all that sort of thing. Like, I mean, and well done if you're one of those places that say, you know, like, you're not allowed in here if you're wearing a mask and all that sort of stuff. Like, well done to those sort of people because, you know, they're the ones that are going to get our business, you know. Like, that's the sort of thing that we, we sort of need more of. But anyway. Yeah, um, sure. Speak- but as you said, mate, it's just an uphill battle. Otherwise, when yeah. you're just there on your own, you know, it's your, you could stand there and fight back and forth for an hour or so. But what happens at the end of the day, you know, that ruins your night and... Mm. Yeah, yeah, it leaves just... a bad taste in your mouth, and what's it going to get me eventually? Like I said, yeah, but uh, you know me, boys. Like I'm, I'm of the very mind of you know, if there's a, where there's a will, there's a way. If I can, if there's a way to fucking get around it, I'll get around it, and that's what I've done. You yeah. know, <laughs> give me your phone, security guard, dickhead. I'll use your phone to check in, and I'll give you a fake name and number, spastic. Anyway, um, <laughs> like I'm not going to do it. I will not fucking yeah. What is that? What's that saying? Um, uh, fight on your feet or live on your knees so anyway I'm not going to live on my knees motherfuckers <laughs> but let's <laughs> so I'll get all fired up eh? anyway so other than that that was the only downside of the night everything else about the whole experience was, was great like it was all fine but I just sort of I wanted to bring that up because I'm wondering <clears throat> if there's any listeners out there please please jump on the comments and if you've had that same experience I'd, I'd love to hear it I'd love to, to know what people have been through and how they're getting rounded or, or what they're doing or just what they've experienced with the same sort of thing. Have, you know, has it come up? Has it, you know, just, uh, just let us know in the comments. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, but I wanted to use that as a bit of a segue because we're talking about this whole everything moving digital and this digital venues and, you know, all this sort of business that's happening now. Um, and you put up an article just recently, Ethan, on the 6th, so two days ago, uh, called slowing the sprint towards a cashless society, um, because there was a bit of talk recently about how there was that Woolworths um, supermarket that went, you know, full cashless, you know, 
um, tap and go everything and all that sort of stuff, you know, and it was one of those, was a trial store, I think, in one of the cities. Um, we'll go through that in a second. But, you know, now they've had to reel it back in and go, yeah, we're not going to go ahead with that. You know, it's not working. We're not getting the business or, or something. But, but tell us, tell go through this one for the folks listening because it is interesting that they first did the trial and then they've you know, reeled it back in. But is there something more to this that we're not seeing? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, General. So this was a feature piece I just decided to put together to sort of paint what's happening at the moment. Um, in terms of the push towards a cashless society and highlight some of the backlash and then also demonstrate some points um, that people can use in terms of discussion. Because one of the things I, I notice is, you know, when you talk about a cashless society with people, a lot of people just look at you like, well, what's the problem? It makes things easier, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people don't have points to get back across to them or if they do have points the the masses look at you like well that's very conspiratorial in nature regardless of how true it is you know there's always that barrier where you say well you know they've got control of your money or they can monitor it and all this type of stuff they're the general talking points Mm. but we can actually see that there's some more um, evidence out there of just you know other countries what they've gone through um, studies and research on what's happening and, you know, some of the pushback that's happening here in society and some of the quotes from, you know, um, executives and banks and things like that, um, that really just demonstrate some really good points that can get through to people. So I wanted to, to do this because starting off, and I talk about this at the beginning of this article, slowing the sprint towards a cashless society at tottnews.com, I talk about how and most people would have seen this in the news uh, this week, Australia is forecast to be 98% cashless by 2024. So within within three years, (laughs) um, the um, cashless payments will dwindle to about 2.1% of all transactions, which is um, a report by FIS, which is a financial payment giant. They released that, and that's what has been spoken about in the news, and they talk about how... COVID-19 has obviously accelerated this, um, that the decline of cash will, you know, almost be, and in their words, quote, effectively cashless by 2024. So this is what's been out in the media this week. And another thing that we've seen is, you know, other reports on how the e-commerce market is expected to grow and grow as this continues to decline. And, and this has been something we've spoken about for years, you know, how digital payments have obviously always outperformed cash but we're reaching that point now where and as you've said you go out to pubs and stuff everything's all digital cash is you know becoming a very rare item that you see in society but i wanted to explore you know and, and ask the question you know is is australia really prepared to give up cash just yet or is this just the media and the financial giants that are pushing this that are saying um they actually said that in, in one article by news.com.au that Australians will overwhelmingly accept a cashless society. So it's like, well, will they really? And I looked to a mm. couple of examples recently that suggest that people aren't willing to give up cash just yet. And you mentioned it at the beginning there, General. Woolworths, their cashless trial was halted at the end of last year. All of the Woolworths metro stores, about 11 or 12 stores in Melbourne and Sydney, um, they went completely cashless. It was a ban on cash. It was a trial. And 
this began in in July, I believe. And what has happened since then is that there was, um, you know, campaigns threatening to boycott. There was massive public discussion online. There was just pretty much a lot of people were fed up with this this push. And they announced that from March 10th, so two days from now, those Woolworths Metro stores will be continuing um, cash transactions because of so much public backlash. And this was fantastic to see. This was a great thing that was also in the news. So, you know, at the same time they're reporting we're going to be completely cashless, we're seeing that Woolworths cashless trial is failing. So who's really right here, you know? And we also, I talk about in the article, the cash ban that was defeated in um, December. But obviously we've spoken about cash transactions over $10,000, how they wanted to ban that. And after a year of opposition, that was defeated. And I also talk about the Reserve Bank. They released data at the end of 2019 that um, even though most cash transactions are $10 and less, that in their words, the surveys that they've done showed that some consumers still use cash intensively and that cash will be remaining within society for a few years to come because of the staunch and passionate attitudes of those who are still cash users. So these are three examples just within the last year or two, the first two within the last six months that have shown that people are fed up with this push towards a cashless society and they still want to hold on to cash. And so do Australians overwhelmingly accept it or is this being forced upon us? You know, that's that's the main question that um, I wanted to, to generate. So yeah. I've given some case examples there at the end, which we can talk about, you know, in a little bit. But just throwing back to you there, General, um, just for the start, what do you think about this question? You know, on, on one hand, the media says that we're effectively cashless by 2024, which don't get me wrong, you see it everywhere. But is this an organic transition or is this being forced on us? And is there really no opposition to this, mate? I think that's um, one of those things where they, you know, aim for the stars or, aim for, or shoot for the stars, but, you know, they're happy if they, you know, uh, you know, hit the mountaintop. Basically, they yeah, they're going to say they want to go cashless in twenty twenty four. But I guarantee you, the 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 date that they've got earmarked for this would be that whole twenty thirty. You know what I mean? Twenty thirty seems to be the crux of everything happening, and yeah, you know, the uh, the end game kind of date that's uh, we've you know agenda twenty thirty and all that sort of stuff. I think that's you know they want it by the end of the decade i don't think they tr- they actually want it now they're going to say that they want it and they're going to push for it but they're not going to get it you know what i mean it's just it's just a way to guess to force that that narrative onto people again of oh it's you know and, and i guess to kind of train people to start going cashless a bit more and all that sort of stuff it's if it if you if it's in the vernacular you know oh it's cashless it's digital and you know all that sort of stuff then you know people will start to, I guess, use it a bit more and be more accepting of it. But I think the timeline's way too short. You know what I mean? We're talking less than th- you know three years for that to happen by 2024. I don't know what date in 2024, but um, it seems too short. And I don't think they're going to do that because anyone in anyone in, in a trade, anyone, even, uh, you know, builders, whatever, whatever you do, if you're in a trade of some sort, cashies, man they love cashies you know it's all about it's all about the cash market you know what i mean they 
because it's you know it's un, it's less traceable and it's not as on the books and stuff. You know, the, all these people love using cash. You know, I guess that's one of the reasons why they want to get rid of it. But you're not going to. It's still so heavily used. Um, unpacking things a little bit further, like just speaking from my own experience, though, I have definitely noticed again the younger generation because you know they're the ones that are manning the checkouts and things in places now. Um, you know, whenever you go, even if you go down, just my I go down to my local fruit and veg shop and, and butcher and stuff. Yeah, when they tell you what the final price is and you grab your wallet out of your your back pocket or whatever, they've already handed tried to hand you the the FPOS terminal to so you can tap it and they've got the price on there. You know, like and I sit there and I hand over cash and they're like, oh, oh, okay, and then they have to cancel it and you know and do something else on the fucking till or whatever. You know, because they, they they're so trained to to make things go and or everyone's just going to tap everyone just you know no no one uses cash you know they seem disappointed when they get cash and I mm. I make a point of saying oh remember this remember these you know you sort of wave the notes <laughs> in them you know just have a bit of a joke like yeah not everyone uses tap and tap and go stuff man where I can I'll use cash all the time as much as possible even even if I have to use an, one of those self serve fucking te- um, things in the grocery store. I'll still put cash in those stupid things. I won't go to the ones that tap your card and stuff, you know. I'll use it everywhere as much as possible. Yeah, I guess that's one of the sure. reasons why I was so dissuaded by this stupid, well, we're a digital venue. Oh, shut up. Like, seriously. <laughs> Not everyone wants to go for that, you know. I mean, sure, it, maybe it's an option. Uh, the youngins might like it, but uh, I'm teaching my kids the power of cash and the usefulness usefulness of cash, you know, and... People try and make that argument. I heard on Triple M the other day, they were saying the same thing. Like, oh, and one of the hosts was like, oh, if I have cash in my wallet, I just spend it all the time. Whereas the other one was like, I use, I, I get cash out once a week, so I know how much I can spend. You know, like they both had the same argument for having cash and not having cash. It was just, it was interesting. But <clears throat> you're right. There's definitely a push to, to try and get rid of it. Um, and I wanted to bring this up with you, Ethan, because I know... You mentioned the RBA before, but I've got an article here which I've had saved on my phone forever because I just haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, but now now's the best time. Uh, it was published on the 2nd of November 2020. Uh, so it's at the rba.gov.au. I'll put the link in the show notes for folks. But it's called Reserve Bank Partners with Commonwealth Bank, National Bank, Perpetual and Consensus Software on Wholesale Central Bank Digital Currency Research Project. Um, it's not not a huge article. It's only like a couple of paragraphs, but <clears throat> basically it says the Reserve Bank today announced that it is partnering with the ComBank, National Australia Bank, Perpetual and Con- uh, Consensus Software, a blockchain technology company, on a collaborative project to explore the potential use and implications of wholesale of a wholesale form of central bank digital currency, or CBDC they call it for short, using distributed ledger technology. This is part of the ongoing research at the Reserve Bank on wholesale central bank digital currencies. The project will involve the development of proof of concept uh, for the issuance of the tokenized form of the central bank digital currency that can be used by wholesale market uh, participants for the funding, settlement, and repayment of a tokenized syndicated loan on an Ethereum-based DLT platform. The proof of concept will be used to explore the implications of atomic delivery versus payment settlements on a DLT platform, as well as other potential uh, programmability and automation features of tokenized CBDC and financial assets. Basically, in short, guys, what they're trying to do, also at the end here, it says, 
The project is expected to be completed around the end of 2020, and the parties intend to publish a report on the project and its main findings during the first half of 2021. So we've been sort of keeping an eye on it to see if they've had anything come out yet, which, which they haven't. But I guess that's why it's currently in the, uh, you know, I guess in the vernacular once again at the moment. They're, they're talking about it, so that, that report might be coming out fairly soon. We're getting close to the end of the first quarter. Um, but yeah, as you can see, the RBA, you know, they're, they're already looking into going full digital you know they want a digital currency they want central bank digital currencies they want to end this tangible thing we know as as money as cash um which is not good so we know just by even reading that you know for them to be looking into it you know that's the plan we know that you know like you said in your article woolworths is uh you know supermarkets are going cashless and are trialing it yes they had to end the trials but did they only end the trials because they got the data they wanted? You know what I mean? Regardless of the backlash that came about? You know, I don't think that it was the pressure that caused them to stop, Ethan. I'm a little bit more skeptical of that. I think that they just got what they wanted out of the trial. And, you know, they're now crunching those numbers and they've got their harvesting all that data from those trials. Um, and they're sitting there rubbing their little hands together because they know it probably fucking worked. Uh, regardless, again, of the people in the, in the backlash and the people fuming about it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not as optimistic as they are in terms of when it's going to be here. I don't think 2024 is, you know, going to be the switch over of making it all, what is it? 98% cashless. Um, I think they're, I think they're going to, um, push that out a little bit further. They're going to have to, you know, they've got all the time in the world. These people, you know, these bankers that time is nothing to them. You know, there are no countries. There is no time. It's just, it's just, a, you know, history is a matter of dates or whatever it is they say but um yeah so that they can wait till 2030 if they want fuck they could wait till 2050 if they wanted to do it that it's just incremental things that they'll put in place and before you know it, it'll be there but i think the time frame is a little bit further out um yeah for sure mate you, yeah man. no some some interesting points there for sure um that's why you know some of the points that you raised about you know this um, central digital currency that's coming you know mastercard have also you know, partnered with biometric firms to, you know, ensure that you log in with your face and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, everywhere is digital. You know, I don't, I think that it's more of a realistic number that we will hit 2.1% in 2024. You know, we're only only like at 1% or 1.5% above that at the moment. So I believe that it is a a, a target that is going to be um, reached, you know, just due to, and of course, some of the facts that you've mentioned there. Um, But Mainly what I wanted to talk about in this article was the fact that there is still time and the fact that, you know, there was so much public backlash and, you know, trending on Twitter and all this type of stuff um, in terms of the Woolworths um, cashless decline and obviously the cash ban where there was thousands of submissions and just some really great activism work on the ground. It shows that the people that are passionate enough, there still is time to turn the tide yeah and in this article i look to other countries you know for example sweden once we reach 98 percent we'll go above sweden in terms of cashless society which they're effectively a cashless society now but what happened was they completely banned cash and i talk about this in the article but then there were so many requests from regional sweden from the elderly and things like this that they had to enact emergency legislation to um, effectively bring in cash as legal tender again. So there was pushback there to the point where they weren't ready for it. And that was a very interesting thing to consider because 
Sweden was a country that overwhelmingly accepted their cashless society when it came in a few years ago. And that's very interesting because even then it didn't work for them. There were still too many people that were down for it, but there just wasn't the resources, the infrastructure, the technology in place to accommodate for the whole country on top of everything that they're doing now. So I thought that that was an interesting part. And another case study that I talked about was um, Zimbabwe when they went cashless um, and that wasn't overwhelmingly responded um, from the public. And what's happened since then, because they did that as a solution to their hyperinflation, is that crime has gone up, that dirty money is, that's what it's viewed as. Digital money is is, is due viewed by the public person as this dirty controlling money and there's this black market of cash that goes around and like half the country uses cash and it's more for illegal things whereas you know some of the country uses their apps that they have on their phone and it's this really tense sort of situation and the reason I mention these two case studies is because elements of both um, we can see within Australia's push we can see that from the backlash that's obviously been you know, pretty fierce about this, we can see that people are not overwhelmingly going to accept this regardless of what the mainstream media says. And I don't think that we're in a position to accommodate for everyone um, at the moment. So we could face a, a scenario where if people continue to pay with cash, people continue to do this and they do hit that target um, by 2024 or by the end of the decade or whenever it is, that you know we might not be ready and these two case studies um are something to learn from and not so not just something to learn from in in terms of the future path that we could take but also in terms of what we can use as talking points now for the average person so this is what i was talking about at the beginning of the article you know mm -hmm. most people just see it as conspiratorial in nature the cashless society but no we've got case studies that show that this doesn't work in other countries and we've got a lot of cases now in Australia that show that there is a vocal minority that isn't going to accept this. So I like to say to the average person, you know, regardless of whether you're for it, I'm for it. Other countries have shown that if everyone's not for it or if we're not ready, that there's going to be problems. So that's what we need to watch out for and prepare for. And I use that as a way to get people to go, you know what, maybe we should question and I, I sort of just finished the article off there saying don't be fooled by propaganda just think for a second when you pull out your card you know take an extra five minutes to stop in at an atm you know try to spread these types of points with others and hopefully if people become aware of these things that there will, there'll be more and more pushback and we can keep cash alive for um you know as long as we can yeah so that's that's just what i wanted to cover in that piece there you know, it's a, it's a long piece. You can go check it out at tottnews.com. But essentially, I didn't want to get caught up general in that whole, you know, that we're going, we're going to be completely cashless, more of a, a negative article. I wanted to spin it into a positive one and say, well, hey, we can see that there's backlash and we can see that there's problems in other countries. So yet, let's use that to our advantage, mate. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that. I'm glad you sort of did that too because it kind of gives people a bit of ammo, um, like you said, in, in terms of discussions with other people. For sure, um, and I hope I'm, and I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope that they don't reach their targets in the next yeah. few years, and I hope that people start to, you know, hit, you know, backlash starts happening, and and things start to to snowball, as they say, mate. I think. I mean, is it is it fair that I mean, should we talk about what the real problem 
is with regards to the whole cashless society? I mean, do we need to guess? I think maybe we should just quickly address just that whole point. Like, uh, fair enough, we're talking about all this, but why are we talking about this? You know, I think the reason why this we're so against it, you know, blokes like us and, and Andy and stuff, because we see the problem with it. We see the fact that once th- that transition is there to proper cashless, where you can't simply go and, you know, if if the ATM lines are down, as which happens to banks all the time, and, you know, you might go to your, pay, try and pay something with FPOS, and it's, your card doesn't work. It's like, well, shit, what do you do then? You can't buy food, basically, you know? So people have this fear that, if if we're full digital, if we're full cashless, there's no more cash to use to spend and go and buy food. You know what happens when those, you know, the, the cashless option, the digital, the tapping the go or whatever it might be. What happens when that doesn't work? What happens when it fails? What happens when, you know, when the power goes out or something, and you can't just go to the cashier here, yeah, keep the change, you know, with for the for a twenty or whatever. Like exactly. that's the fear. You know, that's that whole problem because that's that's. That's not hypothetical. Yeah, you know, that happens now. You know, people are left in the lurch when they in you. I've seen it happen at the store. I mean, people have had a whole grocery belt like this, and they go to tap it. It's like, oh, and then they go and the cashier be like, oh, well, yeah, the 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 Commonwealth Bank lines are down today. You can't use it. And they're like, well, f- fuck, what do I do? Like, you've just scanned all my groceries through. Like, you know, I've seen people just walk out because they can't buy their own food. So that's. I mean, I remember seeing. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but. Um, it was an interview done with Aaron Russo, the, the late director Aaron Russo. Um, he was on, um, I can't remember the documentary, but anyway, you can find it on YouTube, so I'm pretty sure. Aaron Russo was you know, a, quite a well-to-do kind of guy as well, and he had a Rothschild as a, as a mate. Like He knew one of the Rothschild guys, and they were talking, and, he, and this Rothschild guy was saying to him, oh, Aaron, we're, you know, we're all going to everything we're going to chip everyone it was all about putting microchips and using micro everything's going to be on a microchip you know everyone's going to have, it's everyone's going to be chipped and then Aaron was like well what's the deal with that and he goes well you know if people get out of line we'll, we'll just turn off their chip you know and then they can't do anything they can't buy anything they can't go anywhere you know but that's the same basically it's the same scenario and that's where we're, we're facing instead it's not a microchip under the skin it's that tap and go it's it's the digital it's the cashless system it's the digital currency you know it's that whole thing well what if you know what if we're an anti-vaxxer you know they suddenly decide that well you know we're going to turn off your your digital currency you can't spend anything you know if unless you get your, your covid shot you know that's that's the real sort of scenario that we're kind of facing right now um and i wanted to throw to andy like do you see what i'm going where i'm going with that you know, I think that's. The, I just wanted to raise that issue, and then we'll. I'll get your take on uh, on what Ethan was referring to with his article there as well. But you see where I'm going there, Andy. You know what I mean? Like it's that's that that's the yeah. fear that underlies this whole thing of the cashless society. Control. I wish I had a full control. I wish I had a like you know. Remember the scene in the Matrix where you know Morpheus Morpheus explains what is the Matrix? Matrix is control. Mm. What is a cashless society? It is control. It is complete control of your life. What you do, what you spend, how you spend it. And that's what these, that's, this is the whole push, the whole thing is they want complete control. Of course, they want to control the money system right down to the 20 cents you give, you know, a a five year old child, you know, like losing a tooth. 
I mean, these people are out of out of control, man. Mm. <laughs> like it's just. Uh, I mean, think about it for a second. Gumtree and all of those silly little purchases that you might go around and buy some blokes, you know, old lawnmower or something yeah. like that. Like, um, you know, we sold some chooks the other day, you know, like to some people from Yatla. Um, I mean, how do you do that digitally, right? <laughs> so it's, you know, how do you sort of give your neighbour um, 10 bucks for helping you mow your lawn or, um, you know, like like 20 bucks to the kid that sort of washes your car on Saturday? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so disgraceful. It's so, it's so un-Australian. It's incredible. And it's all for profit. Yeah. Any businessman will tell you that any any credit card transactions will attract about 1.3% um, in actual, like, fees. Yeah, that's the other thing. They, they put you onto their system and then they'll charge you for using it too. So that's the other thing we've got to worry about. Yeah. Can but, you imagine even... Can you imagine all of those little transactions if they forced, if they get their way, even if it was something like half a percent Half a percent of every single little transaction to the your Boy Scouts washing your car coming down the street or selling a chook yeah. or, you know, giving your child like, you know, five bucks for their first tooth out or something like that. Every single transaction, every single everything that goes on in the country, they're going to pull maybe an average of about a half a percent the actual revenue that would be generated for some, you know, banking system. And don't tell me that they haven't worked out the numbers and thought about it, you know. And oh, yeah. this, that's, what mean, these, and yeah, that's, that's what these studies what are, the RBA is yeah. trying to do. You know, they, they do these studies to work that shit out, Ando. Yeah, yeah. So it's just more, you know, these people only exist to suck life energy and and money energy out of we the citizens that's mm. and this is what uh, this is what covid's about and this is what this is about and that's where it starts and that's where is it there anything is. else you can perhaps think of andy that maybe is a to contribute to ethan's article like what else could could people be doing to to slow that sprint towards a cashless society i mean, I mean use like, more cash yeah, for starters is one use thing more cash. Obviously, it comes down to a business level. If a if a business like a restaurant has lots of active cash users and knows that if they go cashless in that business, then it's going to be bad for them. Then, then that's that's what we need to do, and that's that's how we need to express it to businesses because they're the ones at the end of the day that are leading the charge for all of this stuff. Mm. We need to let businesses know that it's not acceptable to just go cashless. I mean, let me put this to you, boys. What about, I mean, we don't do it so much here in Australia, but what about the United States, for example, where, you know, people, it's all run by tips. You know, that's that's cash. You've got to be handing over constantly for freaking everything because that's part of their society. How the hell are they going to change that? Because they're going to have to do it too. It can't just be Australia. It'll be it'll be all around the world. Country after country will, will have to start doing this. Surely, it can't just be oh one country will do it. But you know, what I mean, like that's a massive culture change to to then say, well, no more tips. You know, like 
how else are they going to do it? It's like you have to then, oh, you can still tip me, mate. Here, just tap your phone on my phone and give me some fucking central bank digital currency. You know, like, like come on. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I just, it's going to be hard yeah. for them to do. I think they're going to still have to have some kind of element of cash available purely because people will, again, will we'll whinge about it. We'll be like, well, what happens when the day comes when there's a blackout and we can't buy food? What happens, you know, like you're going to have to have some kind of backup system, a cash type system in place for when that happens, you know? Um, doesn't mean they're not going to go ahead with it. Yeah, Ethan's probably still right. It could probably still happen by 2024. That's... Yeah, when they get their mindset on things, they still they will get it done. It just depends on yeah when they're going to get it done, I guess. But yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, just use cash and, everywhere as much as possible. And the propaganda too, you know, the propaganda is a big part of it. You know, whether or not they achieve that is is all due to their propaganda and their media machines telling you that it's going to be cashless by then. So mm. people go, oh, you know what? Why should I use cash? You know, and. We've seen ATMs vanishing and, and all this type of stuff that we've spoken about. So many banks and branches closing down all over the country. You know, you have to go 15, 20 minutes to a clo- to a branch just to go into a branch, you know. Now facial recognition eventually going to come to all the apps with MasterCard and everything. So, you know, it's just mm. been... It, it's all up to the people, you know. The people have got to make some noise. And, and as you said, General, if, if there still is that minute um, voice that as the rba head said um in his in his little um quote there that i include in the article that if that vocal minority still is there that they they're going to have to have their nipple twisted (laughs) or their arm (laughs) arm twisted you know to keep it even though it might be minute in certain sections and that you won't be allowed into any places and everything will be digital you know, there still will be that element. That's the goal. You know, the cash is going to vanish from everywhere, but you using it individually and personally, that's that's what we need to keep alive, this concept that it still is legal tender and it still can be used. We don't want it to get to the point where they just completely overwrite that, yeah. you know, which they're, they're pushing for. And if we believe their propaganda that everyone overwhelmingly accepts this, um then, you know, that's just going to help aid it. So it's all up to the people at the end of the day, all up to individual choices. And if, you know, one person can't change everything, but if we all did small actions like that, like paying in cash, we we could make a little bit of a difference, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. Start um, campaigns, you know, start going to individual pubs and businesses and just go in one by one trying to pay with cash, you know? make it seem like cash is still viable and interesting you yeah. know it's going to have Create. to be that kind of guerrilla activity you know on the ground boots on the ground groups getting together and doing that yeah you're right mate that's sure. well, that's what it's going to take to, to change the perspective of people yeah otherwise not 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 a fun way because as you said chips and everything and next the end game the dystopias you know right behind that yeah double-sided glass <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, well, one more thing I wanted to, to go through, boys, before we wrap up for uh, episode uh, 10 here for season three. Um, still talking about the Australian government, of course, but I had some information come to me the other day. Uh, again, it's an, uh, an unnamed source. Um, I do trust the source, but um, I just wanted to, to get the information out there as quickly, quickly as possible because it does affect um, Australians. And the article I, I put up on March 5. Um, titled Breaking uh, Australian Government Hires Consultants to Help Mandate COVID-19 Vaccine for All Public Servants So of course public servants so anyone working for the government 
um, and it was coming through uh, a federal uh, government agency is all I can say um, that this information came through and they had uh, some information come across them and uh, they, they came to me and said, yep, this is, this is happening. This is what they're planning to do. They have hired, uh, the government has hired, a, the Morrison government here in Australia has hired a, a consultancy firm unsure of the name of the firm, which I guess probably could be traced back through tenders that were put out, perhaps, um, which are available on the government website. I didn't want to have to go through them all, but I'll eventually get the name. Uh, but yeah, so recently, uh, as we know, I'll just go through this for you guys as well, for listeners, but uh, there were secret cabinet meetings being carried out um, recently to organize the various uh, stages of the rollout for the steps of the new COVID-19 vaccine era. Uh, one of them was up on a recent article I uh, had, which was that tape and display one, where they were trying to talk about organizing um, technologies that they wanted to develop to create that system where they could show proof of vaccination certificates. Um, so that that is still part of the plan. They want that. They want digital vaccine certificates and all that sort of stuff to prove that you've been vaccinated for COVID-19. Um, but I don't know if, if... Do you boys get the vibe that the uptake... Is, uh, is just not there. I mean, I've, in our group, Claire has basically said the same thing, that the numbers are, that people are getting, you know, this vaccine's rolling out in Australia is very low, especially, of course, with not just the public, but you know, the, the health sector, and they're all the ones that they went through, the elderly and the health sector people. Are you, just quickly, Andy, are you getting that vibe that the uptake of this thing is not, not as high as they're making it out to be, that it's actually really slow? You're on mute. Sorry, mate. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you um, getting that vibe that it's a slow uptake, or you think do you, do you get the vibe that people are really jumping onto this thing and they want to get this vaccine? Um, I'm, I'm, I, I think the community is like divide, almost divided in half. I really do. Yeah, which I which, think, I think, yeah, which, which, think which would say that it's are... not a big uptake, then, really. No, no, it's nothing like the, what the media are making out to. I mean, their, their spin is in absolute overdrive. Yeah, but, um, um, people are cautious. You know, um, I spoke to her about about my daughter about it the other day, who I would consider, you know, just like sort of feeling her way through, you know, some of the, you know, the media spin and everything like that. And and she came, she said to me, "Oh, look, you know, I really want to travel. That's my whole thing." Um, and I think that's pretty common too. And um, I, I think I'll. I might wait three or four years until until it's really proven before I consider it. You know. Mm, okay. Um, so, so yeah, people are a lot. Still, out a lot. So you you would say that the the uptake is fairly slow and people are quite dubious. I guess is that yeah, what, yeah definitely. Okay. definitely. Ethan, I, I think they, yeah, that's right. Do you have the same feeling, Ethan? Just uh, just quickly, are you getting the same vibe that people that the uptake on this COVID rollout is quite slow? It's not. You know they're not vaccinating the numbers that they want to see, um, regardless of what we're seeing in the media. Yeah, well, it's it's um, it's a good point. It's hard to judge at the moment. You know, the COVID vaccine arrived two weeks to the day today and isn't really available to the general populace yet. Um, but yeah, I definitely see that from the rallies that we've seen that there is some opposition to the vaccine, and I don't think that everyone overwhelmingly wants to expect it. Um, I have seen the news reports this week how they're talking about that um, vaccine uptake within aged care facilities and within hospitals and stuff at the moment. The limited amounts that they've got out is is a bit slower than they were anticipating. Um, but I think that that you know because they're reporting that in the media, it might be 
a bit of problem reaction solution that will eventually merge with the the current military rollout well numbers are low we'll need more troops to help you Mm. you know that type of thing but i think the interesting part will become at the end of march you know that's when we'll really see um, once the gps actually get the covid vaccines and you know people start to administer them to the general populace it'll be interesting to see the numbers then to see you know just who is um really wanting to um take it or not because at the moment it's just places where it's pretty much mandatory so yeah they don't really have a choice yeah that's (laughs) right bastards oh that's right yeah um you're right i I did see just recently ethan that there was you know they're going to open up a, a, a hub in logan to you know for for vaccine which is the area of brisbane we're in um, mm. Yeah, they're going to have one in Ipswich and another one in Brisbane somewhere. So they're, they're increasing these little hubs. They're calling them these COVID vaccination hubs where you can go in and get your COVID-19 jab. Um, yeah, so I guess you're right. We'll, time will tell that um, what the actual uptake in, is like when we march towards the end of the month. Um, but in terms of surveys that have been carried out, I saw one that the ABC put out and they said it was around... Um, you know, just over fifty percent, I think, of Australians. Um, sorry, um, it was less than that. Sorry, it was about they were saying about ten to fifteen percent of Australians, or to twenty. Sorry, ten to twenty percent of Australians um, didn't want to get the jab. Whereas other places, I've seen numbers of around fifty percent. I mean, news.com.au um, put out a poll, and they had you know nearly a hundred oh, around one hundred twelve thousand votes. And it was overwhelmingly 70% did not want the vaccine. You know, so they got smashed on their polls. You know, should the vaccine be mandatory? Also, 75% said no. But I, I saw in one of the articles that, that at the ABC, which I've linked in mine, they only surveyed like 1,700 people, like 1,700 people, something like that. Like it was a ridiculously low number. You know what I mean? But that's, they're like, oh, we got a good sample size of the Australian public and then they say that it was only 1,700 odd people. I'm going, no, you didn't. Like you got a crap all survey, you know, survey size, and yet you're, then you're you're releasing these official numbers of, ah, oh, you know, all these people want to get the jab. You know, like no one's against it. Well, it's because you haven't surveyed enough people, you idiots. Um, but anyway, so just moving on through that article because I sort of mentioned that in the article there that you know we're seeing varying numbers. Of course, the media is going to say one thing. Social media, you'll see. Uh, another thing, you know, so you got to kind of try and gauge it, I guess. But the, I guess the real way you can gauge it is, I guess, ask your neighbours, ask your friends, ask your family, ask the public, you know, what are your thoughts on it? Are you going to get it? You know, are you going to wait? Are you going to rush to get it? Like, how do you feel about it? That's probably the only true way is to get the real vibe of it, I guess. But um, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing my neighbours or anyone or my family members, you know, putting message on social media or, or calling or texting saying you know we're going to go and get this jab or we can't wait for it like i'm not getting that vibe at all to me it seems like it's going to be a really slow uptake which also i think the government knows this and i think they've realized they've got a problem and part of that problem of course is then how do we then encourage people to get this vaccine they've spent all this money on it they've got 150 odd million doses of it for a population of about 26 million go figure um, so they've spent all this money, they've put all this time and effort into getting this, this jab for the country, and yet the uptake is minimal, and people are getting the vibe that no one wants it. So they've, they've got the problem on their hands, is how do you then make people get this jab? So 
what we're seeing here with this article I've put out is the government is then going, well, let's lead by example. You know, we've seen the videos of ScoMo and whoever else getting their saline, oh, I mean, COVID jab on TV, um, you know, tr I guess try to encourage people, show them it's safe, blah, blah, blah. But they're still, you know, the, the reaction to that was not what they wanted. I can, I can sense that. They didn't get the reaction for those videos and the well dones and all that sort of stuff. You look at any social media put up by the propagandists and it is, they are getting smashed on social media. You know, we're seeing so many people laughing at their, at their articles, so many people giving them so much crap in the comments. You know, like I'm, I'm almost amazed that they don't just sit there, have someone hire someone full time to just delete comments because the amount, there's like no one that's applauding them for this, um, for what they're doing. So, Again, back to this problem they've got. How do they then get this? How do they then, you know, encourage people to to have this vaccine? So what we're seeing now is they've hired this consultancy firm to come on board to try and work out a way to make these the COVID jabs mandatory for government employees, basically for public servants, so that what they can then say is, well, you know, you've got to have it or you don't have a job. Basically, is what they're going to try and do. And their end goal for that, to me. It's undisclosed, but the only thing that makes sense to me is that they want the domino effect. They want that trickle-down effect that if my mum works in, you know, some education department somewhere and she got the jab and she's fine, oh, that means then, you know, her family, her kids will get it, her husband will get it, her you know, relatives will get it, her friends will get it. You know, they want that trickle-down from from the people in the government because they're going to set the bar. They want... They want us to. They want to have them to lead by example. So that's what they're going to try and do, and they're going to try and, I guess, increase their rollout um, of the vaccine by, you know, again, leading by example and showing that all the government employees have to get it. And look, they're all fine. You know, there's no issues with it. Here we go. You know, and of course they'll hide all the injuries along the way. Um, but that's what that's where we're that's what we're left with. Now I also asked because I said, well, what about? The union. I know there's the, I guess the CPSU, the uh, which is the the, the uh, government union, the community and public sector union is what it's called, the CPSU. Uh, one of our good followers and supporters, Pete, uh, Pete Shearer, he actually he's a union man. He works for them, and I I said he even said to me, he goes, I haven't seen any of this. Like he goes, how did you come across it? I said, well, I can't tell you, but um, as far as I'm aware, I've got a PDF link there as well to one of the statements that they brought out. But I said, well, because I asked my contacts, I said, have you heard anything from the unions? Have they said anything to you guys about, you know, will they support you? Will they back you up and not making it mandatory? You know, are they promoting the vaccine? She's got, um, you know, they said, well, we haven't seen anything. They've been quiet about this COVID jab for months and months and months. And then they, they found this this document. They said, oh, I've, they said, here, they're sending me a link. I found it. I found something, and only just a few days prior, they basically put out uh, a statement, uh, which was available on their website at cpsu.org.au, um, which says the CPSU COVID-19 vaccination rollout principles for APS workers. Uh, the below principles have been endorsed by the CPSU members and HSRs across a number of APS agencies to guide discussions and consultation relating to the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccinations for workers in accordance with Australia's COVID-19 vaccine national rollout strategy. And uh, basically, it says in the first paragraph there that they support the rollout of the vaccine. They are all for that agenda, but they do 
highlight in, in bold on one part that says the vaccine should be rolled out on a voluntary basis and basically meaning that uh, with informed consent and consultation. So they have kind of slipped that caveat in there, but they are indeed for the vaccine, which of course, you know, anyone who comes out saying they're against it, then yeah, the, the backlash is going to be massive. Um, so that we thought that was quite interesting as well. I figured that's you know it's it's, it's all the, these guys are just going to be part of the plan anyway, you know, making the getting the the unions because that's really the only threat they had left is well we'll you know we'll get all the staff and we'll strike and you know if you make this thing mandatory and stuff. But if the union himself come out and says oh we're in support of the vaccine, you know well then they've got no leg left to stand on. So it's quite. It's quite disheartening, to be honest, but um, folks, you guys can read that full article. I'll link it in the show notes as well. If you haven't seen it, it's been doing the rounds quite well. Um, but yeah, explosive kind of stuff. You know, I find it very interesting that they haven't, there's none of this in the mainstream media. No one, in, it's all quiet. It's all hush-hush. No one else is talking about this. The, you know, the Morrison government has been very quiet. They're not being uh, transparent to say that this is what they're planning to do with their own staff members and, and, and public servants. So, um, yes, oh cautious cautious days ahead for the anyone working in government right now um andy i might just cross to you first and we'll wrap it up with ethan there but uh did you have a chance to to read that article andy um if not but give me your, yeah, uh, your run yeah well give me the rundown on it man like what do you what do you make of that i mean is this um does that make sense what i was sort of yeah where i was going with what i think they're trying to do is that trickle down effect with trying to make you know because the rollout's been so yeah well they think it's not going to be uptaken very well yeah, well, yeah, they definitely they have to use their assets, like obviously their their government assets. Um, you've seen that with the prime minister, you know, like the big show pony actor there, you know, Miss, um, you know, Scotty from marketing, um, mm. you know, being the first one to get the jab and carrying on like that. Um, look, it's just, oh god, it's just so. It's so quite, scripted, it's isn't quite it? Evil you know? in a sense, to be honest, uh, I think it is so easy. And I don't know why are they employing like an outside contractor to, like, you know, all of these public servants and all of these people involved in this government scam and everything. Like, yet they still need to employ more people to come up with more shit fuckery to, like, you know, spin and throw out there to. The, we the people do you think that um, perhaps could be a liability thing so they can then say well it wasn't our idea we had this was given to us by a, a consultancy firm you know like oh. I don't know, is there that there is there that like well it wasn't our plan they've come up with this plan for us you know that sort of thing is there something where they can go oh if they get caught out doing it or if, if there's backlash and they get you know they've got a they've got an out oh. rather than saying we've we've got this government department working on this we've got an outside person working on this I don't know I just I something I thought of as well yeah. Uh, yeah, look, maybe. I, I just think this government is is just addicted to outsourcing just about everything. Anyway, I think it's part of the culture now. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and especially and especially with important decisions, because yeah, like you just said, like it sort of you know takes important decisions away from the government. They can sort of like you know hide hide underneath the layers of it all. But yeah, you know, like I mean. I've been saying, like, for the last 12 months, it really is, you know, like, dividing. It's it's really dividing the population. It's really, really, like, you know, just separating us all. Um, and this is just another step towards that. Um, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Mm. But, 
really, you know, like, I mean, me and, me and um, Billy, my wife, were talking about it um, just this morning, you know, like, going back years and years ago with the AVN and all of the like activism work we were doing to try and wake people up in regards to vaccines. Um, and it was, and it was such an uphill battle, but it just seems now in the last six months, especially that people are really, really awake to the dangers of, you know, vaccines. Um, so as far as the general awakening processes um, goes, this whole COVID scam has been, a really, really good awakening process for a hell of a lot of people. So taking the good out of all of this, like it's, um, you know, it, it's it's been quite empowering and, um, you know, to, to see a lot of people, you know, seeing this, seeing vaccination for what it really is. Um, so I'm still hopeful that, um, you know, that people will, see through all of this and um, make the right decisions. But like in any war, like that we discussed the other night, General, um, there is going to be casualties and um, this is un- not like any other war mm. and people will die. So um, that's just how it's, that's just what is going to happen, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, Ethan, mate, um, I'll just cross over to you to, I guess have the last say before we wrap up tonight's show mate but uh you obviously had a, had a read through it um yeah like what's what do you what do you what's your take on this mate do you kind of see where i was going with this that that's that's the only reason their motivation behind this thing seems to be because the 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 rollout isn't going to be what they think it is that the uptake isn't going to be there that most of the public don't want this thing and how do we make them have it and this is their yeah. way of doing it yeah, well, I agree with the first part there for sure, mate. You know, this is, and that goes back to my problem reaction solution um, point before, talking about how this all could be engineered. You know, I spoke on my latest um, member discussion about the fact that the fact that they're reporting injuries and everything in the mainstream media isn't by accident. It's to intentionally cause social divide and to intentionally draw more people away from it so that they can have a low uptake so i definitely see that this is the 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 course that um could be taken and and will be taken and i think it's a very interesting scoop that um you've included there in your article it um you know obviously you've seen the sources and you've seen the information so i'm not you're more well versed to speak on on all of that than i am but it's interesting to me because when i first saw it general like this could be a potential you know, and I look forward to exploring this more. I look forward to having a look and, and everyone out there, if you can go and find information on this type of thing, if there is potentially deals that are being made, et cetera, et cetera, and there's a way that we can uncover this and bring these documents and these agreements to the light, you know, I encourage everyone to do it. Mm. Because, And it's interesting to me, mate, because if it is uncovered, um, this could potentially blow them because the official story at the moment um, and, and this was obviously covered in January, Courier Mail, Daily um, Telegraph, et cetera, et cetera. They said that, obviously, Scott Morrison said that all public servants wouldn't be required to get the COVID vaccine. Yeah. So behind the scenes, are they potentially doing the opposite? That's a huge thing to potentially uncover. And if it does uncover, you know, that could blow a hole within their strategy of this whole problem-reaction solution uptake where they say well you know 
Originally, we weren't going to do that, but the uptake's so low now because we've intentionally made it that by constantly talking about vaccines in a negative light. Here's the solution, you know. So I see that there's a there's multiple elements going on here, but if there's a way that you know people can spread this information and dig a little deeper and get this information out to the public, um, that could throw their plans in 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 real shambles, yeah, mate. Because absolutely. they're saying one thing officially at the moment. But, you know, and eventually they're going to come out and say, yeah, well, now it is mandatory for, you know, public servants, et cetera, et cetera. That's the path that we expect to take. But if there's a way that we can say, hey, they're talking about it now while their narrative is the opposite message, that could be a game changer, mate. So, yeah. And that's I why I think it's, it's important think that it's important. people, yeah, people need to come forward with this information so that if that is the plan, then we can throw a massive spanner in the works and make them change, you know. Yeah, like if you've got information or if, as you said, mate, digging through tenders and, and public agreements and stuff, if your source has brought to the light that this type of thing is, is being discussed and is being theorised, et cetera, et cetera, then they might not be the only one. You know, obviously state governments, police forces, agencies, they'd all be doing similar types of protocols and would have similar releases to their departments. Mm. You never know what you could uncover, you know. Sometimes it just takes that awareness that, hey, they're actually planning that right now that um, could uncover a whole wave of things general. So I, I was very excited when I saw this because, you know, it's 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 a way to sort of um, shine a spotlight on what they're doing behind the darkness, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good to finally get some of that those um, those good pieces of, you know, journalistic material out there where, you, you know, you've got a, an actual source, you know, someone on the inside who's, you know, whistleblowing in a sense, you know, like it's good to get that kind of information out there. And I kind of miss doing that, that sort of, uh, that sort of work. It's, um, you see it quite a lot overseas and from different other people's websites. And I'm pretty sure you've had people come to you with information as well. It's kind of good to, to get that out there, but, um, sure. yeah, I, I was, I mean, I was excited, but I wanted to make sure that of course my source was protected as well. So, um, absolutely and yeah. then that's a thing that listeners can listen to as well you know we we do take this journalism thing seriously despite what the mainstream media would have you say you know and if you do you know we've got a lot of protection on our websites and it's things like that and if you do have messages and information that you do want to get out you know we we do treat that with um with respect and you know so if people are out there and they have info but they're just worried about they don't want their name exposed and stuff you know it doesn't have to be like that journalism isn't founded on those principles mate yeah so i thought and i just love that because you know you know me i'm a journalism buff so seeing um old school articles like that's always refreshing mm, awesome all right well thanks man um boys i've got nothing else left to contribute for tonight's episode we've uh we probably have to wrap it up we're sitting on about an hour and a half now anyway um yeah i'm looking forward to many more awesome articles coming out of tottnews.com so make sure all you folks head over there check out all of ethan's latest um at the, at the website there um anything you're currently working on just to whet the appetite of anyone at the moment mate uh just um you know just i've got a tott update um coming soon which will sort of just details a lot of the changes that have happened over the last six months and where things are going um, but yeah, I've been um, trying to get you know things like Discord server up and running for the members and more member content coming. Um, and I want to talk a little bit. You know, I've got a few articles coming out this month that are pretty interesting. Um, one of them, I'm going to try get a video out 
um, talking about how 2021 is the year of the Australian smart city. So that'll be a public video for everyone. So there's a little scoop there for you, General. Awesome. Um, but yeah, always posting on TOTT News. So I appreciate the sharing yeah. the message there and everyone check it out for sure. Awesome. Yeah, it was a very, uh, in a sense, I guess, a very technocratic style episode, this one, with uh, all the technology <laughs> shit we've been going on about and the push for this uh, digital vaccine passports. And you've got some stuff on there talking about Qantas also doing that thing on your website as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's the whole cashless society thing. Yeah, it's very, it's that dystopian technocratic society building up around us. And uh, yeah, more of that smart city bizzo coming up. Can't wait to, and to check it out, man. For sure. And to our credit, General, you know, um, you and I were always, we, we always did cover news, but we always had a pretty heavy focus on this type of thing because we knew it would always get to this point where this is the most important topic, you know, mm-hmm. whereas other people were focusing on other things, you know, talking, you know, exposing this lie, exposing this truth. And, you know, I think to our credit now, you know, a lot of our work has become timeless and, and we're really sort of tuned in to what's coming and what's happening because we've covered it for so long, you know, this technocratic shift and it's all there for everyone to see. So yeah. if you haven't gone through the archives of both of our websites, folks, definitely do. There's a lot of reading to to see and you'll see that this has been, you know, in the works for some time. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome stuff, man. Ando, thanks again for coming on for a chat, brother. I love bouncing off you. Um, it's good to hear your voice again. I haven't spoken to you for a while. Um What's on yeah. uh, What's on the horizon for you, man? Um, really good to see. Um, also, make sure you pass on my thanks again to uh, our cameraman for and, and your good work on the ground there as well. I had trouble getting that the full video file. Maybe you can um, try and get it to me again or put it in on the Skype chat maybe or I'm not sure. If there's another way you can get that full video to me, that'd be good because I, I had trouble getting it from that link you sent me. for some. I don't know why, but I just didn't seem to want to work on my end every time I went to download yeah. it so anyway uh, but yeah but again thanks yeah. for putting it on I saw the videos that you guys put up and the interviews you were doing it was awesome stuff that was at the uh, Millions March uh, rally not too long ago uh, Ethan also put yeah. uh, a lot of that content up as well so thanks again for doing that it was good to have you on the ground there as well I knew I didn't even have to, to ask you if you were going to be there I knew you'd be there you're a fucking champion <laughs> I hate the fact that I've always oh, got family no. commitments on these freaking days they seem to come up it annoys the shit out of me I've only made it to like one in the last freaking year or two it's ridiculous I'll try and get to the next one <laughs> well, the, well the next one on the 20th is is really 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 important 20th of and March. For all of the listeners, yeah, the the twentieth of March. Yeah, yeah. Pencil yeah, that date in, folks. Be, yeah, lock it in to 20th of March, same place, uh, the Botanical Gardens in Brisbane, um, and just follow social media and Telegram for all of the other locations around the country and around the world, actually. Yeah, cool. I'm looking. So this is a real. I'm looking forward to getting back one. in front of the camera and doing some interviews with people myself. Man, it was I love doing that shit with you? It was so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll definitely get you get you in front of the camera, um, and we'll we'll um, you know do our thing. So it's going to awesome. be it's going to be really really good. It's going to be bigger than the last one, which was absolutely huge. So. Oh yeah, and, and you know just if if anyone if it's the first time for anyone coming out to these sort of things, um, you know it's it's a good good fun event. It's so, safe. And a good, oh, a good vibe, uh, yeah, good energy. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, everyone, everyone, you know, get out there and uh, get out from behind your computer and just 
get out to these yeah. this event on the 20th please actually that's where i met uh, our mate pete that's uh, he's one of our supporters and um yeah I had a good chat with him i talked to him all the time yeah he's top bloke um follow him on on facebook as well but i met him in person uh, i was chatting to him last time I, I was at that not the last one but um the last one i was at i should say yeah it was it was good it's good to meet people i love f- seeing people face to face and they're like oh yeah i know real news australia oh yeah good how you going you know like it's it's good. Like people do know who we are. Some people still don't, but I mean that's not their fault. But I mean it's good. It's good to meet the people who have heard of us and who listen to us and follow what we do. It's it's fantastic stuff. So thanks again to all those folks out there who do. I love it. Come and say yeah. hi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, awesome, man. Well, I can't. I'll I'll, I'll let the missus know that I'm booked out that day, and um, I'll head over there with you. That sounds awesome. I'll bring the wife as well. Bring Danielle's as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell her you said that. I'll try to get her ass out of there. She's getting more and more into it now. I, I, boys, I can tell you this: hey, like she gets on and she sends me, like not all day, but and, she'll get all these articles like, from um, Apple News and stuff. But she 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 it's all propaganda stuff, and she's like, "Oh my god, baby, look at this one!" And she sends me, "Look at this one. There's another one. Look at this shit." She's always sending me all these articles, all this stuff that she keeps finding on so on mainstream media, and she's. She flicks into me. I've got like this massive thread going of all these articles of just pure propaganda about this COVID business. <laughs> well, she just does it to send to me so I can talk about it. And she's like, oh, you might want to write about this and you might want to talk about this. So that's why she sends them to me. She goes, I don't even read the whole thing. I read the title in the first two paragraphs and then I get sick of them because <laughs> she gets, yeah, she's yeah. too wide awake for that. So yeah, anyway, it's good stuff. All right, awesome. Thanks, boys. Uh, let's wrap it up right there and we'll hopefully catch up again uh, soon. Uh, uh, definitely within within two weeks or in about two weeks time um, folks once again please head over to uh, realnewsaustralia.com you'll get all the great articles over there tottnews.com uh, also jump over to the Podbean uh, there's lots of links there in the show notes of course links to the Patreon account where you can get all the bonus content shows as well we've just I, I just finished doing up um, our Port Arthur expose we did a three part series on the Port Arthur massacre uh, awesome stuff I hope you guys uh, listeners can all jump on board the Patreon and get all that great content there thanks again for your support everyone we'll see you again soon
Yeah.